Praise the Lord. <clears throat> awesome. Well, I'm super excited for uh, the upcoming week because it is our annual week of fasting. And um, that may not sound exciting to you, but what's really exciting is it moves the hand of God in a supernatural way. Uh, we all need that desperately. We need it corporately uh, as we walk into uh, this uh, new year. Uh, as I mentioned a few uh, weeks ago when we spoke on this, there are three types of fasting. And uh, the first is an absolute fast. I'm, uh, I would suggest that you uh, prayerfully consider if this is uh, really the fast that the Lord is calling you to. Uh, that would be no food or water. Uh, that would be a, a, uh, a very difficult thing, I believe. But uh, what we typically do is what I refer to as a normal fast. A normal fast would be liquids only. And um, you would take the time that you would be uh, preparing and eating your meals, and you would dedicate that time uh, to spending time with the Lord, uh, not only in His Word and worship, but uh, in prayer uh, as uh, a critical part of, of uh, this week. <clears throat> and then there's the partial fast. Uh, if you've never fasted before, this may be the right first step for you. Uh, this isn't, um, uh, I, I don't want to get overly legalistic about this. The Lord knows your heart. Uh, but I would also suggest that you would uh, take something out that actually means something to you. So the partial fast is, is not designed to just make fasting easy. Fasting by con concept is not an easy thing, uh, but it is a very important part of your walk with the Lord. So um, the Daniel fast is an example where you cut out certain foods that would be delicacies, for example, um, and uh, you would do that uh, for the same period of time. Um, if you have fasted before, and maybe you started with something that perhaps uh, I might categorize as not that big of a deal, uh, I would encourage you, uh, keep stretching, keep stretching, and the Lord will honor that and uh, see what he will do uh, in, in your life. Uh, our men's ministry, Mill City Men's, is kicking off again in 2024. We took a, a break here in 2023. This has been our uh, year of Sabbath, and so we have taken most everything, virtually everything, off of the calendar for the year 2023, including women's ministry, men's ministry, uh, different uh, other uh, ministries. The, the building has been closed also, for example, on Saturdays. And uh, we've done that as a, as a time of refreshment and rest uh, here at Mill City Church. We have earned it, and uh, the Lord blesses that. Uh, but it's time to uh, get back into uh, ministry mode, we have prayerfully considered what then to put back on the calendar. And uh, for Mill City Men, we are kicking this off on Friday night, January 12th, with a uh, special service. It will be different from what we've done in men's rallies in the past, but this is where we will be introducing and announcing uh, all of the different ministries that we believe the Lord has called us to as the men of the church it's at 7 o'clock next Friday, the 12th, uh, here in the auditorium. So I want to encourage you, uh, if you call this church home, uh, you need to be here, men. And uh, uh, the Lord will, uh, I believe, uh, bless you and uh, bless this church as our men continue to seek the Lord. And then finally, Youth Winter Retreat. If you have not yet signed up, registered, next, uh, this coming Friday, the 5th, is the last day. It is so over after that. So you missed it. Uh, please go and register for the winter retreat. You can go online and do that. Is there a QR code by chance uh, on the announcements? I don't know if there is. You can pop it up there. And uh, while I start off here, uh, hey, Happy New Year. Goodbye. 23. Anybody super thankful that we're saying goodbye to 23? I know it was a big challenge for me personally. Um, you know, the Lord's faithful. 
in spite of our unfaithfulness, God is faithful. We miss the mark so many times. We miss the mark time and time again. We miss the mark daily, and yet God is faithful. As I've reflected on the last year, uh, over the past couple of weeks, um, I see the hand of God in spite of challenges uh, throughout the year. I mean, like days, weeks, in the midst of a storm. You know, storms just typically don't last for a day. They last for a period of time. And you can feel like you're in the eye of a storm for a period of time. And it was during those days and, and even weeks when uh, throughout this year felt like the Lord was just like bringing me back to week of fasting last year and, and, and revealing to me, hey, you know, you prayed for this. You had no idea what, was, what you were going to be facing in this moment, but you prayed for it. You called on me and I'm here to help you, and I'm helping you in the midst of this storm that you had no idea you were praying for. And it gave me peace. It calmed my spirit. It gave me confidence and (laughs) self-control. Oh, my goodness, in the eye of the storm, do we desperately need self-control? Because as we're full of the Spirit, that is part of the fruit of the Spirit is that self-control. And none of us knows what is in store for us in 2024. Um, But we will face peaks and we will face valleys. We will face victories and defeats. And God knows, and so I, I cannot encourage you more to take advantage of this as we corporately fast and pray this week Uh, Monday through Friday, and I believe the Lord will have his hand on us. I've been preparing and and praying for this day uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks. Thank you, Trendon, for bringing the word uh, last week. Um, The Lord brought me to this passage in Luke chapter 18. Luke 18 is full of uh, passages that if you've been in church for a while, you uh, would probably recall them or at least be familiar with them, the the persistent woman. We have the Pharisee and the tax collector. We have a passage on parents bringing their children to Jesus and the rich young ruler who asked Jesus what he must do to inherit eternal life. But the chapter ends with Jesus encountering a blind man. Now, this passage is also found in Matthew chapter 20, we will come to that in a few years perhaps as we make our way through Matthew. We're just in chapter 10 now. Um, It's also in Mark chapter 10. And as you put the pieces together, you put the three passages together, uh, you will see that this is just weeks if not days leading up to Passion Week where Jesus will enter Jerusalem for the last time and ultimately be crucified. But for us today, this passage holds an opportunity for us. Because for many of us today, we have a man here in Luke chapter 18 that has a need. And it's a need that he's had for a long time, and it's a need that only Jesus can fill And prayer and fasting week isn't just for preparing us for the things that we will face in the coming year. Prayer and fasting week gives us an opportunity to call on God to do some things in our lives that we desperately need him to do. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 17, when the disciples come to him privately and say, why could we not drive out this demon? He said, because of the littleness of your faith. For truly, I say, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And then he says this, to put just kind of a button on this faith statement, is 
is he separates some things when he says, but this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So this is an opportunity for us this week. But let's look at 18, Luke chapter 18 together, verse 35, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening, and they told him Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, they also praised God. Let me ask you something. If Jesus were to walk into this room and call you to him and ask you the same question, what do you want me to do? For you, what would you say? Just think about the last 12 months. What would you say to him? Now, as I said, this passage can also be found in Matthew chapter 20 and Mark chapter 10. And while there are a few minor differences based on the timeline and the main details, I agree that... um, This is the same episode. But for the sake of heading off some questions, if you you do check this out on your own, um, here, here are the differences. Matthew chapter 20, as Jesus and his disciples are leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. You have two very clear differences in in Matthew's record. Uh, First of all, it says that they are leaving Jericho. And second, it says there are two blind men. And then in Mark chapter 10, they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Here in Mark chapter 10, it says that they're leaving and coming to Jericho, but it also names the man, Bartimaeus. Now, it is common that between the gospel records... um, that you would have some differences, and, and it's easy for some... Uh, especially those that perhaps are new to the faith or not yet believers, to look at something like this and say, good grief, can't they get their stories straight? But I would submit to you that anytime you have two people telling the same story, let alone three, each story would be just a little bit different. And uh, just ask your parents how they met. (laughs) Jason and Heather, how did you meet? You'd probably have just a little bit different story of how that happened. Um, In about 10 months, it'll be election night. And just tune into Fox, and then tune into CNN, and it will be like you're living in two totally different worlds. So, history actually shows that there are two Jerichos. There is a small village built on the ruins of the Old Testament Jericho, And then about two miles away, there's a new Jericho that was actually built by Herod the Great. And if you were with us during our study of Matthew, uh, or Mark, pardon me, uh, you may remember Herod the Great was actually known for massive building and infrastructure projects through his decades of power. He rebuilt 
uh, the nation of, of Israel. Um, so it's highly likely that Jesus is leaving one Jericho, going to the other. That's not out, out of the realm of possibility. In the case of one or two blind men, this could be very easily fo- a, a focus issue. So Luke and Mark are focusing on the single man. Mark even names him, which would give us some indication that he was a known person, and the audience that's reading this would say, oh, yeah, I know Bartimaeus. He was once blind. Um, if you were to say that I have a daughter, Lauren, you would be correct, even though I have two daughters, Lauren and Emily. So it's just a matter of how you would focus that. The final point to consider with this being the same episode is that the next few chapters in each of the records have Jesus coming to Jerusalem for the last time for Passion Week. And so um, I don't want, we don't need to drill all the way to China on this one, but they're legitimate questions. And as we study the Bible, um, there are answers to nearly all of our logical questions. The main detail within the story, though, is that there's a man that has a need. It's a long-term need, and it's a need that can only truly be met by God. For many of us here today, as you look back on the year 2023, and many of us even beyond, we too have a need a long-term need, and we need God to come through for us. Some area of our lives, we need victory. For others, perhaps, it's a need in your life that came as I asked the question, what do you want me to do for you? It's something that's more recent. Maybe it's a health issue that's come up personally or a relative. It's a financial crisis. It's a vocational issue that's come up just this year. And even though it's not long-term, the weight of it is still staggering. And in this passage today, there are some things that we can put into practice as we turn the page from 23 to 24. But before we begin, I want you to I want to point out to you that um, there are times when God in his sovereignty, by his decision and his alone, he puts his hand on something. And there's a special grace And it can't be explained, and God cannot be put in a box. But there's something different. I believe that this church is an example of that. Since the very first day that we opened this door, it has been obvious to me that God's hand has been on this church. And if you've been here since that day, you've seen it time and time again, week in and week out. Season in, year by year, there's been something supernatural that's happened. There's also been times within this eight years, there's been pockets of what I call a special grace where God has supernaturally healed people. It like, it's like a, a week or a few weeks of just like concentration where God's healing power has been on display here. And not that he hasn't healed before and after and during this entire time, but it's like been evident where, oh my goodness, people have come forward, we've prayed for them, and they've been healed. It's just been supernatural. And I, and I, I just ex- can't explain it. I certainly don't take credit for it. There's nothing we can do about it, but we celebrate it and we praise God. I believe that today's one of those days. I believe that 2024 is going to be one of those years where we'll be able to point back to and say there was something different at Mill City Church in the year 2024 where we'll see salvations like we haven't seen before. 
where we'll see healings like we haven't seen before. Well, we'll see God's spirit poured out on people like we haven't seen before. That's my prayer. I've been praying for this day. I had a dream about it last night. I never dream. I get enough church while I'm awake. <laughs> I usually sleep to get away from church. But the Lord gave me a dream last night where during the service, people were coming forward for salvation and and going directly to be baptized. And it was just a, it, it was so vivid to me. Now, all that said, I, I want to point out some things. While we don't control God's spirit, we don't, we can't put God in a box. There's no formula. There are some things about this man that can help us. And the first is this. As you're asking God for big things, assume responsibility for where you are. Assume responsibility. Verse 35, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And as you look at this passage, we see a man who is blind. It doesn't say if he was born blind. It doesn't say if it happened at some point in his life. All we know is he's blind now. Now, when you're taking responsibility for your situation, I want to point out two things. One, he does not blame his situation on someone else. He knows the area that he needs help, and he takes responsibility for the problem. So many times, we have a problem. It's a big problem. And we want to look around to anyone and everyone else in our lives to blame the situation on them. This is not exclusive to our culture. In fact, there's another passage in the Gospels where, where the disciples ask the question, why is this man like this? Is it his fault or is it his parents? So, I mean, this is very common. It's gone on forever, but we don't see that situation here. He knows his situation. He's taking care of his side of the street. And you may find yourself in a situation where you're looking for victory, in your life, you're, you're, you are in great need. There's something that immediately came to mind when I said, what do you want me to do for you? Pick your poison. It's an addiction. It's an anger bitterness. It's a relationship. It's a marital thing. It's a financial thing. At some point, you have to say, well, this is where I am. This is where I am. Lord, I need your help. And until you stop looking at everybody else for th them being responsible for where you are, let's just say, hey, here's, here I am. Just start there. Second thing, he didn't wait for someone to tell him, did he? When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening, and then he called out. It's another area that needs attention and emphasis. When you need victory, you need victory. You need to call to God. James chapter 5 says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them Sing songs of praise. Is anyone sick? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil. Too many people, they get upset because nobody reached out to them when they were sick or in need. And the reality is, nobody knew. It's as if you should automatically know my problems. Well, now, inevitably, what are you now doing? Well, now that's your fault that I'm upset. Really? 
I'm scanning the audience. I'm seeing a lot of adults. You know what that is? That's childish. Amen. Next. You can't wait for the ideal time. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Well, now, wait a second. I've got to wait until I hear him, until I hear his footsteps. No, wait a second. I've got to wait until just the right time so I can pounce out. I, I've got to, no, he just, whoa, this is Jesus. I've heard all about him. I need your help. You don't have to wait until the perfect time. Bartimaeus saw the opportunity and he jumped at it. Mark Batterson says, God dreams and divine opportunities are like snowflakes. They are here and then they're gone. I threw salt on my driveway last night for one reason. When the snowflake hit, it was gone. <laughs> and it worked. Should have put it on my windshield. He also says that there are no two snowflakes that are the same. You see, when we miss an opportunity, it doesn't mean that another opportunity won't come. It's just the, the opportunity that God gave you is gone. We can't wait. If we hesitate, we, take, we hesitate, we don't take the step, and then ultimately what happens is we never move forward. That's not what's happened here. This man didn't wait. He didn't put it off. And let me tell you this. It's a good thing because history says this is the last time Jesus went through Jericho. In just a few weeks, he would be crucified. Can you imagine? Well, he was here a few weeks ago. He was here last year. If I miss it, oh, there'll be another time. Hey, Henry Blackaby says in experiencing God, the moment God speaks to you is his time. But don't expect you're ready for the assignment. But if you don't start moving, if you're not immediately obedient to him in the moment, you'll never be ready because the character work. You see, the bigger the assignment, the bigger the character but if you never take that step when you hear God speaking to you, you'll never be ready. Brings up another consideration. Sometimes we can convince ourselves that there will always be another opportunity. I'll do it next week. Maybe for you it's salvation. I've heard it before. He always closes the service that way. with heads bowed and eyes closed, and nobody looking around. I'll do it next week. How do you know? There may not be a next week. Maybe it's a habitual sin. You just can't get over it. You know what? I'll do it next year. Guess what? Welcome to next year. The round to it is going your way. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's a godly habit. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to start praying. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to start this. There's some people that, you know, I'm, I'm going to fast and pray. It was last week, and, and they forgot. Well, I'm, you know, it's Tuesday. I, I've done it before. Oh, my goodness, I had a lunch meeting. I didn't even think about it. Boom, here I have. Uh, well, I guess I'll scrap the whole week. No, you start. It's a great thing about God's grace, right? The Bible says it's new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You know why we need, you know why it needs to be new every morning? It's because we need it every morning. 
We need a fresh filling of God's presence. We need a fresh covering of his grace because tomorrow I'm going to need it. Praise God. Notice verse 37. They told him Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Very important phrase here. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. I'm going to give you some other examples of God's word where that same phrase in Mark chapter 6, the disciples are wrestling on the sea and Jesus comes walking to them on the water and look at it, it says he meant to pass by them. It's the same phrase that we see in Exodus chapter 3, 33, pardon me. And the Lord takes Moses after he says, show me your glory. And he says, I can't do that. But I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. And I'm going to have my glory pass by you. I'm going to put my hand over you. And then I'll remove my hands so you can see the back after I've passed by. You see the same phrase in 1 Kings chapter 19. This is after Elijah has called down fire from heaven. He's running for his life just the very next moment. And God takes him to a place for rest. And he says, go out on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. You see, when the Lord passes by us, there's something supernatural that happens. He doesn't mean to just walk by them. That doesn't make sense. No, he meant to show them his glory. You see, when Jesus is passing by us, he wants to show us his glory. And notice in each one of these examples, it's something personal. Because Jesus was about to pass by, and he stops and he says, What do you want me to do for you? So he takes responsibility for where he is. This is where I'm at. This is what I need. It's not anybody else's problem. It's my problem. You're right here. I'm going to take advantage of it right now. And look at this third one. He's not worried about what other people are saying. How many times? Does God want to do something in someone's life? They sense the Spirit, but then they look around. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody looking around. There is some value there because this is between you and the Lord. Where are you at? But then when I say I'd like the prayer partners to come forward, and if you raised your hand... I'd like for you to come forward because there's something value about, valuable about putting feet to your faith. But then the moment of truth happens. <gasps> People are looking at me. There's not a safer place in the world than this room right here than for you to get after what God has for you. And why in the world? You know, it's funny. If we really knew how much people didn't care I mean, really? Do you really think, Jason, you're that big of a... I know you're big, but you're not that big of a deal. But oh my goodness. You know, when people are baptized here, it's just like, it's like this renewal of, of what God did for us. Oh my goodness. Let's cheer them on. That's amazing. That's a new life that's been reborn it's a supernatural thing. It's a miracle. They have been filled with God's spirit and now they are walking out of here a totally new creation. Amazing. 
oh, but I don't want to get it wet in front of people. What? It doesn't even matter. Who cares? And yet, there's a real reason why we think that way. Look at verse 39. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he didn't let that stop him. Look, at it. look, he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. I don't care what these people think. It's not their problem. I've got a problem and I need a God to come through for me. Get out of my way. And how fickle the crowd. Look at Mark chapter 10. Jesus stopped and said, call him. And so they called him. And then they said, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Shut up. Wow, that's awesome. Let's go. <laughs> oh, Lord, protect us from ourselves. If you need help, get it. Just get it. Ask God. If he's asking you, what do you want me to do? Then tell him. This is where I'm at. This is what I need. And I don't care what other people think. It's not their problem. It's mine. And then don't be afraid to step out and boldly believe God. You know, I believe, you know, we get hung up on this tongues thing when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let me just shoot it to you straight. You got to get over that. Because I believe there are a lot of people who are full to hear with God's spirit in a moment, but they lock it down and they never step into it. And if they just let go of what people are thinking around them and boldly believe God, God, you filled me. I was talking to Daryl the other day. He's like, you know, it's like faith. God, you filled me. I'm getting it. Noah believed God. He built an ark. Abraham believed God and he left what he knew and he went to a place he didn't know. Faith isn't a maybe, maybe it will, maybe it won't. That's not faith. No, God, faith is God said it, I believe it, I'm going for it. That's faith. The word for the Lord for us today is are you willing to believe me today and boldly ask me to receive it. That's the Lord speaking to us today. At some point, you have to get to a place where you boldly believe God. And you, and you, you, you see the miraculous things. Faith isn't the safe zone. You know, if we'd have believed what people had to say, why do you need to start a new church? You think you're better than us? You think you, don't, we, we, you, think you got better ideas than us? You know, you're just trying to, you just think you're, who's going to follow you? What's it going to look like? How's it going to happen? And we didn't need people to tell us that. They, the, there's real risk. Can you imagine if we said, okay, we won't. Countless lives supernaturally changed in the last eight years because we didn't play it safe. A life following God, asking God for big things, is not a safe life. Faith is a gift, though, too. Faith is a gift from God. But listen to this. You have to act in order to activate it. You take a step, and then faith takes over. And then get this. You reap what you sow. 
So when you live a life of stepping out in faith and seeing God move and your faith begins to grow, then the next big thing that God asks of you, you're like, well, he did it before and he did this. Well, why wouldn't he do it again? I know his voice because I've heard it before. I've been obedient and boom, what happens? And so God does more and more and more. And so it just multiplies. It's really amazing. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. Hebrews chapter 11. But if you don't act, it doesn't stay and then it ultimately goes away. You use it or you lose it. Remember Jesus said even what they had was taken from them. It's like a muscle. If you don't exercise your muscles... When I had knee surgery, I, I, I did not, I, I had severed, they had to sever this tendon to get into my knee. And the hardest thing for me for the first several weeks was just actually reactivating that muscle. I could not do this. I, it was all I could do just to move it a little bit. And I noticed after a very short period of time, this thigh was regular size and this thigh was smaller. Why? Because I wasn't using that muscle. And so it began to get smaller and smaller and smaller. And then as I reactivated it and began to work it, then it came back to be the regular size. <laughs> Faith is the same thing. James says that faith without works is dead. Look at Mark chapter 10. I want you to see this. Jesus stopped and said, call him. And so they called the blind man. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Verse 50, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. This is symbolic of the faith that this man has. A cloak was a sign and a symbol that someone was in need in this culture. They had a cloak. And so when they wore this cloak, it was as if it made their need legitimate so that people could give them money. And so Bartimaeus says, no, Jesus heals. He has asked me what I want. I told him what I want. And so now I don't need this cloak anymore. It's gone. I'm going for it. That is faith in action. If Jesus were to come in here today and say, what do you want me to do for you? Are you sure of God's power? Do you know that God heals? Do you know that God provides? Do you know that God mends? Do you know that God restores? Could that be the reason you're still in your problem? Boldly ask God for his power, for his victory, for his healing, and then take it. Throw off your old self and put on your new self. Amen? And there's something else to point out here, and, and this is very important to see. Lord, I want to see. He says, what do you want me to do for you? I, I want to see. It's an obvious question. And Jesus says, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. This is one of the times when the NIV, I think, does a, not the best way of interpreting this. Look at the ESV. It says, your faith has made you well. The Greek word for this means to save, to heal, to persevere, to preserve, pardon me, to rescue, to deliver. I would submit to you that it wasn't his faith that brought his healing as much as his faith 
brought him salvation. Because what good would it be for Jesus to restore him physically and do nothing for his soul? I want to be very, very careful here. Because there's a lot of teaching that puts healing on someone's level of faith. God heals. God delivers. God provides. God restores. Faith is required for salvation. I do not believe, while it's very obvious, that this man had a bold and active faith and God healed him. You can see it play out, though, in the final verses that his salvation became real in this moment. And the worship team can come. And so when victory comes, when God answers, when God, um, when God delivers, when God provides, when God heals, when God mends, when God restores, you have to understand it is God who does it. And God deserves all the glory. To God be the glory, that old hymn says, for the things he has done. If you've been with us on Wednesday nights, for the last few months we've been talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And, and I've been making a point that the gifts of the Spirit, while they are valuable and amazing, there's a primary purpose, and the primary purpose is advancing the gospel and glorifying God. And that's exactly what happens. Look at it, verse 42. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has restored you. Your faith has saved you. And immediately his, he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. And look at this. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. So when God comes through, I mean, you're, you're responsible for two things. One, praising God. Praise God. He came through. I trusted him, but he came through. And let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you what my God did for me. Let me tell you how he changed my life. Let me tell you how he took my world and turned it upside down. Let me share that with you. This miracle that I saw. Now, people don't have an excuse. You gotta be kidding me. How did that happen? God did. Who's responsible for your healing? He is. Who's responsible for your deliverance? He is. Who's responsible for your provision? He is. The victory is his, and time and time again, we see, especially throughout the Old Testament, that the victory came after they praised God. That's an exercise of faith as well. To God be the glory. You praise God and then see how God can change the lives around you. There's a young woman at this church. Her name is Sarah. And I can't remember who invited her to Mill City. But she started coming in the spring of 2016. And she had a 
She had a problem with alcohol. And um, we were having Wednesday night church uh, Wednesday after Memorial Day, and she came to church. And at that time, we used to do every Wednesday night, we'd break up into small groups of four or five people, and we would share a need, and we'd pray for each other. And her prayer request was, I need to stop drinking. And Jay and Becky were a part of that group. And Troy, who had just given his heart to the Lord just a few months earlier. And they just prayed for her. And I believe Troy was the one that prayed for her. And to my knowledge, I believe the testimony goes, she stopped drinking at that point. At the end of May of 2016, and I'm, I'm going to take a stab. I believe there's more than 25 members of her family that now attend this church. Okay. You know how difficult that was for her, even in a small group? To say, I got a problem. Like, it's something only God can do. She wasn't worried about what people were. She took responsibility for where she was. She'd heard about this God that answers prayer. She's seeing things happen. And she says, will he help me? And it didn't take some super Christian who'd been a believer for 25 years. God used somebody who just gave his heart to the Lord. And he probably, now I know Troy, he probably prayed just a pretty simple human prayer. And now we see a family changed because they saw who she was and they see who she is. And we have the privilege of seeing her every Sunday morning here greeting you as you come in the door. Listen. I believe that Jesus is passing by today. And as we look back on 23 and into 24, we have an opportunity. I just, I know of plenty of battles in this room right now. And they're all over the board. But I'd like to give you an opportunity today If Jesus is passing by, and you know what he does, you know what he's done, and you need something from him, I'd like for you to stand right where you are, right here, right now. looking out and you had no idea what message but he knew you were going to be here and you've been prayed for and you chose to look at the snow and not let it hold you back and so I believe with all my heart that something supernatural is going to take place in this place this morning. And Jesus has brought you here to ask you this question. What do you want me to do for you? This is not name it, claim it. Don't walk out of here saying Steve's shifted. I have not shifted. I believe God. I believe in his sovereignty and I believe in his power. Now, dear Heavenly Father, you see every 
individual that is standing here in this place today. We have heard your word. We've heard your question. And it may seem so obvious. Well, God, don't you know? Yeah, but you have not because you asked not. He, he, he knew that Bartimaeus was blind. Of course he knew the answer to the question. But there was something about needing to activate that. God, this is what I'm asking for. It may seem obvious, but I don't care. This is what I need. I'm speaking it out. I'm trusting you. And so, Heavenly Father, in these moments as we worship you, I'm asking that there would be a moment of transparency, a moment of vulnerability. I'm not worried about what people are thinking in this moment. You know what I need, and I'm going to speak it out. When you pray, say. And as the worship team sings over us, I'd like for you to activate that. Jesus is saying, okay, take a step up forward. There's nothing special about this altar. We don't even have an altar for you to kneel at. We have an area up here that we call the altar. And it is for the purpose of approaching the Lord. Walk. It's, it's, it is a physical step that has a spiritual implication. And I'm asking, if, you, if that's you, you're standing, are you willing to boldly step up here to the front? And it doesn't, you can line up the, I, I want to see this thing filled because I want to see God move in a supernatural way. And in this very moment, it just begin to walk up here. And then you can kneel, you can stand, you can sit. We've got plenty of time right now. And I just want to ask you, Lord, Activate our faith. Activate our faith, Lord. As we approach you, you begin to do something new, new, supernatural. There are divine healings that need to take place physically. God, there are supernatural provisions that need to take place. God, this is where I'm at. I'm not blaming anybody else. I'm not going to put it off. This is where I'm at. I'm not, we're not worried about how you got here. We just want recognition. This is where I'm at right now. And God, I need you to come through for me. I need a healing. I need a provision. God, this relationship is broken. It breaks my heart. And I need you to begin to work in my heart. I can't seem to forgive this person, but you can help me. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with love for that person. Take away the bitterness. Give me an opportunity, Lord, to reach out to them. God, I'm in a place in my marriage. I don't know what else to do, so I'm asking you to come through. Mend this, Lord. Supernatural healing, healing my marriage. God, my children, my son, my daughter, they're away from you, and they weren't raised to do this, but God, my heart is broken because they're walked away from you. Would you bring them back? This is a cry of my heart. I got one request. This is amazing. This is amazing. I'm asking that you would take a moment before you leave today and fill out a prayer card. Because we want to see God. We want to partner with you. And, and more than ever, I believe that God's going to do great things this year. And would you be willing to just jot it down, the prayer cards throughout the, the, the seat backs here, and just put it down, put it in the mailbox or, or uh, on your way out, or, or you can bring it up here and put it in this basket right here. But I, I'm, we don't do that enough. This, is a, this right here is an indictment of this church. How many times do we say, hey, pray, pray for me? Or, or we ask, come up and pray, and... and we don't have this many people every service coming forward to pray, right? And so, hey, God's passing by. Now, let's trust him. 
And let's see what he's going to do in our midst. I, I just want to keep a, I want to keep a record of these. And then I want to believe with you that as you take a step of faith and write these down, that there's going to be a moment in 2024 when you're going to grab the other card. It's a praise report card. And you're going to write that down. God met me here. Praise God for his deliverance. Praise God for the victory. Praise God for the healing. Praise God for my children, for my parents, whatever that is. So God, all we've got is our praise. It doesn't seem like much, but this is what you ask for, and so this is what I'm asking, this is what I'm offering to you, is my worship of you, my praise to you. You are a good God. You're a good Father. And I thank you in advance. I praise you in advance for met needs. Your word is true, and I trust you. Empower us, God, with your spirit. May this be a a spiritual marker day and a spiritual marker week that we can look back on and say, wow, God took me to a place I had no idea that I could go. And so we're trusting you. You are worthy of our trust. Go before us this year. We thank you for 23, the victories, defeats, the peaks and the valleys. You are worthy and you are faithful in spite of our situation, in spite of our circumstances. You are faithful, God. And we are confident as we walk into 2024 that we will see victories, we will see defeats, we will see peaks, we will see valleys, but you are faithful. And we trust you, Lord. We thank you. We ask for your protection as we go our separate ways. We love you and thank you. Bring us back Wednesday night. Be here in concentration, I pray, on Wednesday night that we would walk out of here full of your spirit, excited to see what you're going to do in 2024. Praise you again.